You're listening to Illini Life Audio, messages from a community of Christian believers on the campus of University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. For more audio and video content, visit IlliniLife.org. Good morning, Illini Life. Well, I'm excited. Uh, Today we get to talk about the Word of God and a particularly compelling passage. Um, Before we begin, I'm going to pray. Dear Jesus, uh, thank you for this morning, for bringing us all here, for keeping us safe on the roads, for giving us sleep last night that we can be alert, that you would keep us alert if we didn't get sleep last night, that we would be receptive to your words this morning. Holy Spirit, move powerfully in this room. Shape our hearts Let what I speak uh, come from you and demonstrate the work that you've done in my life that you are going to do in all of our lives as we put our trust and hope in you. Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So today we are talking about 1 Timothy chapter 4. So if you have a Bible um, or a phone, you can pull that up and you can follow along. We'll refer back and forth to it as we go along. The first thing that we're going to do is I'm going to read to you the passage, and I'll add a little bit of commentary as we go along. So the Spirit says, and you can go to the next slide, the Spirit says clearly that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected as if it was received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. And so this first section talks about requirements or teachings that come from people who are hypocritical liars and whose consciences are seared. We probably shouldn't listen to those people. However, there's probably people who you listen to that fit that definition. So we want to be careful and we're going to try to learn ways that we can see who those people are and how to recognize that so we don't listen to them. Next slide. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, oh, by the way, as I'm reading, you can figure out exactly what God has told me to say to you because like this, like this, I, I mean, when, when we're talking from Daniel, we kind of have to figure out how it connects to Jesus and there's a lot of study we have to do. This, this chapter in particular tells me exactly what I need to tell you. So I'm just, I didn't, I didn't come up with this. It's right here. So if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ or servant, uh, and Jesus, and nourished on the truths of faith and the good teaching that you have followed, have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself for God to be godly. For physical training is of some value, which it is, um, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and we strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially those who believe. Next page, or next slide. Command and teach these things. Yes, another, it's like 
Just do this. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an, an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Timothy uh, is the elder in a church who Paul is addressing this letter to. So don't, look anyone, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Specifically, Timothy was probably in his late 20s or early 30s, but we can apply this passage to all y'all. Um, and, and we'll get into it more, but do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example. Until I come, this is Paul saying, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, which is what we're doing right now, uh, to preaching or encouragement, exhortation, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. All right. So there's a lot of like very concrete things. Um, So next slide. Uh, What I don't want us to do is get caught up in things we don't understand because nothing that's being said is super complicated. And so I'm just going to go through, like, these aren't mysterious, these aren't ambiguous. These, so teach, like, that means someone else has knowledge they didn't have before. So we're not, um, in, 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 in some cases, it's talking about publicly teaching or giving a message. Um, but all God's people are called to teach. And so that, whether you're teaching children, whether you're teaching friends, and, and you teach. So when, when we talk about teaching here, you're just giving someone else knowledge. Hope. So looking forward to some future state or event. Um, you hope that you'll get a good night's sleep. You hope that the food tastes good. You hope you don't say the wrong thing in front of the professor when you're up in front of the class. Faith. So this is belief put into practice, doing something because of what you believe. So it takes faith to, um, like, when you're, when you're climbing and you have a rope, you have faith in that rope that it's not going to snap if you fall. You have faith that, like, your phone is telling you where you are because of satellites that are orbiting in space that you've never seen or can understand. You exercise faith all the time. And so when we're talking about faith, we're not talking about this abstract notion of, oh, he has strong faith. It's like, specifically, are you doing activities that demonstrate that you believe in Jesus? So the faith of the church is, we believe Jesus rose from the dead, and because of that, he gives us power to overcome this world. And so are you acting in accordance with those beliefs? And that's faith. Uh, Godliness or being godly, so behaving like Jesus, acting with the character of God. Training, uh, repeated intentional actions that result in progress to a goal. So training in godliness is, grab a drink here. Training in godliness is to do things that make you more godly. It shouldn't be abstract. It shouldn't be complicated. Like, oh, is this training in godliness? Is that? And we'll talk about later on that the, the start of training in godliness is just reading your Bible diligently. Um, and so it's not complicated. It's not simple. So you shouldn't walk away. If you walk away from this talk and you're like, well, I don't know how to put that into practice. Just please come ask me, ask your friends, because everything should be very practical. There are deep mysteries of the faith. There's lots of things to comprehend. There's no way we could fully exhaust the knowledge of God. But 
we're going to start with things that are very simple. All right, next slide. So we're going to start here with false teachers. Um, I'd like to highlight that um, this is a very important message to listen to because some of you will abandon the faith. Um, and and, and this, is, this is key because you, they, people abandon the faith and fo- by following de- de- deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So we don't believe that you can lose your salvation. We believe that's assured when God starts a work, he carries it to completion. But I do believe people who come to church can walk away from that because they are led away by deceiving spirits. I've known many students who have passed through who after graduating, they walk away from the faith. They decide, I don't believe that anymore. They follow things that are taught by demons and deceiving spirits. They, they want things in a way that God doesn't want, and they walk away from the faith. You will know friends who walk away from the faith. That is not something that just happens. That's not something that's inevitable. That's something that we can do something about you personally. And also, as we pray for our friends and minister to them and love them like Jesus, we can pull people back and away from that. So this is not something that we're going to sit by idly and take. The message today in its simplicity and its power and its call for you to change what you're doing in your life is it a direct assault on the gates of hell. With your help, we are going to shape eternity this morning. So the church you choose to attend is very important. Um, so the way that you're going to evaluate the church is really important. Look at the people who are leading, who are serving. Make sure they're not hypocritical liars. Make sure they're not people whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. And the, the result of these people um, is they create rules that aren't in the Bible. They forbid people to marry. They say, abstain from foods. So people who don't follow God and don't put their hope in God, um, and, and this is, this is the, cru- the, the, the center point of this message is everything starts with putting our hope in the living God. And so because of that hope, everything flows out of that. And so for people, who, uh, leaders and teachers who are hypocritical liars, they don't have that hope. Think of any atheist preaching. Like they are evangelical atheists. They are hypocritical liars because they are preaching a non-existence of God. They're preaching against God. They make that their religion. Um, and their consciences have been seared. People want to hurt other people because, I mean, I, I mean, uh, take a trivial example. If like you stub your toe, like because you didn't see something, you try to get your friend to do it. I'm like, oh, like, oh, like, you know, it's, it's like, oh, that's really gross. Do you want to try it? Like, and, and, and that's, that's a trite example, but people and leaders, when they're hurt, they, they do things that, that are not helpful to people who are under them. And it's deceiving sometimes. They create rules, like we said, that don't matter. And so what we're trying to look for and what you're going for is putting our hope in the living God. I'd also like to point out that there is no neutral position here. Uh, you can't just, like, coast. So either you have your hope in God and you're being drawn towards him and walking towards him, or you yourselves will become these false teachers. Like, you will believe things and set your hearts on things that aren't the hope of God, and you'll start telling people about how, well, there's more than one path to heaven, 
or how, well, you don't have to get married. Um, and maybe you shouldn't. Maybe, maybe, maybe we should deconstruct marriage. Um, maybe you can't get to God if you eat meat. Like, there is a lot of things that you could proclaim, and you will become a false teacher in these veins if we don't have our hope in God. There isn't just like, I'm just a neutral third party. Okay, next slide. So I said hope in the living God. So this is where everything begins. So I'm going to address two, peop- two, two individuals in this congregation, not individually, two, two types of individuals, not, not just like Peter and Eleanor, you know, it's like. Um, so, so we're going to talk about the people who do not believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and then everyone who does believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We both have the same thing in common. It all rests on the hope in the living God and salvation through Jesus. So you can see there's, there's a flaming world over there, and then heaven, and the bridge across is Christ, like the cross. I don't know if you picked that out. Um, kind of hard to miss, I don't know. But, but it kind of faded, so maybe you couldn't see it. But, uh, but so hope in the living God, uh, if you do not believe in Jesus Christ, that is what you need to believe in. All of the things we're going to talk about doing will not draw you closer to God. All the things that we're going to talk about doing will not earn your salvation. All the things we're going to talk about and, and working and toiling, they don't pay off a debt. There is nothing that you can do to get to heaven other than hoping in God and the salvation through Jesus Christ. All other paths lead to death. And there are many other paths, and it's a lot easier to go. So one thing that this picture doesn't depict very easily is the, the difficulty to walk that road. Like, most of the paths and choices you will make in this life lead to destruction or downfall. And the reason for that is the devil has not been vanquished. We are living in a world that's under the dominion, in a lot of ways, of the devil. He has been vanquished, but our world is set up to turn people away from God. So it's not an easy path. And if you coast, you're in a free fall to darkness. If you coast, you're in a free fall to darkness. Does this make sense to you guys? So the first step is hope in the living God. Next slide. All right. Now, the other group of people. We believe in Christ. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. We've made that commitment. We've proclaimed it publicly. Hope in the living God is also the one thing we need to start with. So it's tempting to try to, when you feel bad about sinning, to do something to make up for it. It's tempting to work real hard instead of, um, you know, dealing with the conviction you have. It's tempting to use guilt as a motivator for improvement or to feel bad to pay for something you did. Like these, these are not, where we start. We, all we have is hope in the living God. And, and just like if you saw someone like carrying a huge load, like hundreds of pounds up a stairs and they were crushed under it and like they couldn't make any progress and you move that load up, for, like pick them up and move that off, then you could keep walking. So when God saved us, when God turned us from death to life, he lifted us up and that hope in the living God is why we can do anything. Again, nothing you will do that's worth doing comes from your own strength. 
everything that you do out of the hope for God will bear fruit. There's a lot of ways that we can hope. Um, and so these, these um, points that I've pulled out, nourished on the truth, trained to be godly, set an example, labor and strive, devote yourself completely, show progress, watch and persevere. These are all phrases that are pulled out of the chapter. If you're, if you're reading through, you can see those in there. Um, there's a lot of ways we can, like, it's not bad to have hopes that aren't directly towards God, but we need to make sure they connect. There's a lot of things that we hope for if we're honest with ourselves that have nothing to do with the living God. I really hope I get a good GPA. Like, that's not bad, but if it's not connected to the hope of the living God, then it's bad. Um, What do I really hope for? Do I really hope for Christ growing in me that I would demonstrate the character of God? Or do I really want a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Uh, Do I hope that... Um, I'm going to choose career paths that allow me to serve God and demonstrate his holiness in my life, or do I really hope for a lot of money? Or do I really hope for just an easy job where I can coast? We have to be very careful. Hope is extremely powerful because what you hope for, you will, you will strive for, and it will become reality. And it may seem like, oh, it's impossible. I really hope for this car. Like, this, this, like since I was five, I was dreaming about this sports car. And you can hope for it your whole life. And you're going to get there when you're 30. And you're going to realize that that meant nothing. And it doesn't mean that that's bad. But if our hopes are limited to this life, it will be empty and ultimately futile. So be very careful what you hope for. And your hope needs to be rooted in the living God, in our salvation through Jesus Christ. And out of that hope, out of that hope, not towards that hope, but out of that hope come all of these other things. And uh, we can talk, like, if you want to go deeper, read about saved by grace and not by works, and you'll start to probe into this. But we don't do anything to earn our ability to hope, our salvation. Our hope fuels and sets the stage for all of this. The work of Christ was done on the cross. He finished all of the work and that allows us to carry his kingdom forward. He has chosen us to be his hands and feet through the church to work out his plan that he established. So all the work is done, but there's lots to do. Um, And that is a paradox that you'll have to continue to wrestle with. But we're not working towards a hope. The hope fuels everything we do. Next slide. So I'm going to set the, so where do we begin? Uh, So if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus, uh, which we should all hope to be good servants. The the Greek here is rendered minister, but we want to be, we want to serve Jesus faithfully. So we want to be nourished on the truths of the faith and we want to train ourselves to be godly. So there's two um, uh, metaphors here that Paul is using. So we're going to go into a little bit of a teaching mode. So there's two metaphors that we want to unpack on, on where to begin. And so training yourself to be godly, I will assert that it begins with the word of God. There's a lot of other things we can add to it. But, it, but being nourished on the truths uh, of the faith and the good teaching and training yourself to be godly both start with the word of God. Um, 
How many people have eaten in the last week? Huh, okay. Um, how many people have not read their Bibles in the last week? You don't have to raise your hand. You can, you can admit it to yourself privately. That's fine. I don't mean to publicly. I just, I'm, I'm contrasting these very intentionally. Um, it's not meant to, again, we're not, we're not motivated by guilt. We're motivated by hope. Um, and if you find yourself doing things because of guilt, now you're working towards the hope. You're not working from that hope. Um, so what about training yourself to be godly? So training, there's a difference between doing something and training. Um, uh, training, and, and if you want to talk about training physically, talk to Nick or um, probably Nick, uh, anyone else. Like, there, there is some value. And, and, and here's why there's value, because it helps us understand training in God. <laughs> um, uh, God, I mean, so another example is God gave us families. He gave you uh, a mother and a father. He gave you siblings, maybe, younger brothers and sisters. God could have chosen to have us reproduce any way he wanted. He made trees to reproduce one way. He made single cell organisms to reproduce another way. He chose to give us families so that we could understand him. God created our world so that we could understand him. We look to our world and he gives us analogies. God created physical training so that he could teach us about, I'm sorry if I keep running into this. God created physical training so that we can understand spiritual training. So it is definitely valuable. Training is not always fun. Training often hurts, <laughs> at least temporarily. Okay, so, but training to be godly has promised both for this life and the life to come. Unfortunately, physical training does not have promise for the life to come. Our bodies are going to be completely different. And so all of the effort we put into training physically will be exhausted, likely by the time we're old, but definitely by the time we're dead. Uh, godly training, when you train to be like God, here it says that persists both for this life and for eternity. And so physical training is great, but don't do it apart from training in godliness. Okay, so back to, uh, so let's go to the next slide, and I have some fun pictures for you. Um, uh, that's a, a, a tiny Eleanor. Um, aww. <laughs> Uh, I, get, I had her permission to share that. I didn't have Nick's permission to share that. Um, <laughs> so uh, we are going to use the Bible, the word to nourish. So again, like it's not the word of God. What's that mean? No, it's the Bible. Read your Bible. Like that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about anything like read your Bible. That's both of these. So children don't always eat properly. Um, and we don't always read our Bible properly. Like all the food that's smeared on our face, that's not providing any nutrition. Um, if we put on a Bible teaching and then are like watching Netflix at the same time, that nutrition's not really getting into us. Like there's ways that we can, uh, I mean, the word goes out and does not return void. So we understand that, that the word has power in ways that other things don't. But the metaphor of using the Bible as nutrition and eating our daily bread, the word of God, is very intentional. No one can sustain life without eating. It's something you have to do continually throughout your life. We take breaks from it for particular reasons. But you wouldn't, like, if you are, like, so tired and, like, fainting and, like, super weak, and someone says, well, when's the last time you've eaten? 
You're like, I don't know, like a month ago? Like, no one's going to, like, you, they're going to, like, well, eat something. And you're like, oh, that's a good idea. If, if, anybody, if you ran it, like, you'd think they're crazy. <laughs> like, who, who doesn't learn how to eat? That, I, I feel weird inside. Like, I don't know, like, like it's, like, hollow. And I, I, I like, no, you're hungry. Put food in your mouth. So we, so I will call it the mystery, like very few of you, if any, would know how your digestive tract turns the food into nutrients and energy and builds your body. Like that is profound. There are hundreds, maybe thousands of PhDs and research based on small bits of that. So there's this incredibly profound thing that happens when you take substances and put it in your mouth and it turns into body. Like that's weird. Like I'm eating something and then it's a leg. Um, <laughs> Right, that's what, like, your God created, like, you're restructuring molecules into yourself. Like, weird. So, the word of God, when you ingest it, it turns you into God. <laughs> like, the word of God, we didn't make it. No one made up the Bible. We, people wrote it. God spoke through humans to make it. But it has the power to transform your character into that of Christ and God. It is unknowably complicated. Um, it's way more complicated because it's, it's this, this, like, physical words can transform your eternal soul. That doesn't make sense. It's crazy. And these are just words. You can say these words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's, 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 we could spend, I mean, hours and hours, weeks and weeks, years and years contemplating how that works. Um, just like digestion. But, it's very straightforward if you're hungry, put food in your mouth. That is simple. Everyone can understand. So we're balancing this profound mystery with something that's terribly simple. If you're spiritually hungry, read the Bible. Like, and if you are concerned that life is overwhelming and you don't know how God's showing up and, and I don't know what to do about this, if you're not reading the Bible, you're not eating. You're not getting your spiritual food. And it is far more important that you get spiritually fed than you're physically fed. That not, might not make sense to you, but it's true. Like, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, and as strange as it sounds, when you have kids, you'll recognize that they don't know when they're hungry. They just cry because something's wrong. And sometimes the parents don't know they're hungry, and that creates a lot of parental distress and, and concern that you don't know how to raise this small child because maybe they're hungry or they're thirsty or something else. And so, but you learn to recognize hunger and associate with eating food. Please learn to recognize spiritual hunger and read the Bible. If you are having difficulty spiritually, read the Bible. If you feel like grumpy all the time, like, oh, like, oh, I, I eat food, like, oh, read your Bible. And don't just read it, uh, and so then we'll get to the next part. Um, and, and so the Bible, like, really, I'm going to advocate that you do it daily. I'm going to command you to hope in God as your elder, and I'm going to command you to read your Bible every day. It doesn't have to be a lot, but like you could take note cards and write a verse and post it somewhere you walk by, and you're reading the Bible every day. You're getting your word in. It doesn't have to be chapters in progress of like through the word. It's like get the Bible into you however you can every day throughout the day. Okay, so now training. Use the word. So uh, Nick didn't always run triathlons. Um, in fact, it's taken decades for him, or a decade? How long have you been 
Yeah. So uh, over time, the training, the physical training has shaped his body to be able to do things that us mere mortals cannot. If I tried to exercise like Nick, I would die. I mean, what would happen first is I just collapse from exhaustion. I probably wouldn't actually die. But if I actually was able to sustain that, like, heart would explode. It would be very bad because I am not trained to do that. So training, so nourishment, you do it every day and it sustains you. Training is going somewhere. There's progress. And, and we need to think about progress when we use the word of God. It is not sufficient to just coast because we talked about earlier, we're either going to heaven or we're on the path to darkness. There isn't coasting. If you take um, if you take, like, if you're in an airplane, well, I don't know, what's a good example? A rocket, okay? It's really violent and takes a lot of work to shoot that rocket up. And when it, the burners turn off, which way does it start going? It's so peaceful. Like, yeah, no work, and you're just coasting, you're free falling, and then you hit the ground. It's done, <laughs> right? So it's so hard to read the Bible and to grow spiritually, and it will be hard your entire lives. In fact, I have bad news. It will get harder than it is now. Right now, you're sort of at the, like, the lowest point of hardness. Um, and I know it doesn't feel that way, but you'll understand. And there'll be tr- peaks and troughs. Um, you could be going through something right now that is actually a peak of difficulty, and so I don't want to diminish that. But by and large, as students, with your place in life, you don't have families that are depending on you. You don't have churches or jobs. And so you have a lot of problems. They're going to get a lot harder. And you need to be trained to deal with that. Because everything will be required of you. Whether you believe in God or not, the world is going to consume you or God is going to consume you. You are not your own. You cannot, of your own power, do anything. You will not live forever. Everything will be required of you. But you can choose where it goes. You can choose to devote yourself to God or you can choose to let the world consume you. And training is how we make progress towards that. And it will always be difficult, but we are going to see progress. Does everybody understand nutrition and training? Okay. Super. Next slide. Okay, but progress, how do we, how do we evaluate progress? Uh, we could probably have a whole sermon series on each, like, like a sermon on each one of these. Um, does anybody know, so, you know, when the, the pyramids were discovered, they said they found honey that was still edible from thousands of years ago. You know how, you know how they figured that out? Uh, research interns. Michael, could you come up here? <laughs> what does this look like? Water. It is, it is water. It is completely clear. It just came out of the tap. It's reverse osmosis water. Michael, I'd like you to confirm ooh, that it is indeed water. <laughs> What's in it? That's right. It's just, no, no, in fact, there's not. It's reverse osmosis water. It is just water. Let me top you off there. Serve, serve. We're supposed to serve. Okay. Michael, come here. Michael, come here for a second. 
Take, take another drink. Okay, well, let me top you off again. I found this somewhere. I really wouldn't drink that. <laughs> um, but that was mostly water. It was, it was all clear. You know what? Here, we'll fix this. Fix this here. There, I fixed it. I added more pure, pure water. And look, there's even flowers in that, that filth. And, and, and a, a rabbit dropping? Oh, gross. Do you want to drink that? No, it's mostly water, guys. D- no, you don't. I'd get in trouble. You'd die. No. Uh, there's ashes in that, I think. It does not look good. There's only just a little. Okay, thank you. Um, so I could have chosen any of these topics, but I chose purity to talk about. Um, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? Purity is not a balance between good and bad. There are movies you can watch, conversations you can have that immediately make you impure. It's not, do I put more good? Like, I filled that cup back up to the top with purity, like with good things. And it was, Michael didn't even drink it. And, you know, like I was concerned he was going to, but, um, but just a little bit of filth will make something impure. And so when we're looking at progress, so I'm, I'm demonstrating specifically purity. I have a couple of things to say about the other ones. But if you want to set the example for progress and purity, think about that cup and just a little bit of filth. And consider very carefully what you expose yourself to and how you act and who you associate with. Because it's not how much good you fill in that makes you pure. It's any little bit of bad. And um, why we are pure is because Christ died on the cross and imbues his purity onto us, and we cling to that. And so I don't, I don't have a filter to show you what Christ does to the water. But uh, Christ can make us clean and white as snow, as, but the filth doesn't go away. He paid for it. Like, all of the consequences, he paid for. So it's not just like, ooh, bye-bye. Like, it's all paid for. And so these are five areas that as we train, we're going to show progress in. You should be able to look at my life um, over time, or any leader's life, your small group leader, um, someone you look up to in the church, and you'll see speech and conduct and love and faith and purity growing in measure. Okay, just make sure you hit John if he falls asleep. <laughs> um, faith, like, uh, yeah, these are just so good. <laughs> um, Okay, next, next slide. So then what? Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set the example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, until I come devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy. So we have the hope, and it leads to progress in these areas. So none of those are ends in of themselves. You can never get to a pinnacle in your speech, in your conduct, in your love, in your faith, in your purity, unless you become God, which you will not attain to in this life. We are to be like Christ. God and is shaping our character because not only do we not speak what is bad, but we're going to speak what is good. We're going to shape people's lives. We're going we're to have the word written on our hearts. 
So if, and this is, these are not exhaustive lists, by the way. Look at the fruits of the spirit. There's so many ways where you can evaluate your character growth, but this is a good thing to live by. So public reading of scripture, we did that this morning. Preaching, exhortation, we're doing that right now. Teaching, I explained some things to you and hopefully your knowledge has grown. I've made it simpler, more accessible. Exercise your gift. One of my gifts is hospitality and you all come over to my house afterwards to have a meal at Breaking Bread. So the way that we live out our faith is not by elevating the people who are leading. So I'm an elder here at Online I Life. I have no special, my, my, I'm not an elder because I'm taller or smarter or um, have nicer shoes or um, have just been around a long time. Um, so nothing of my position, like where I'm at, um, matters. What matters is the progress and demonstrating that and laying that out. So, so the reason why, so we have this hope. So none of, okay, also, we don't try to own, like, we don't swear. So if we choose not to swear, it's not so that we have more hope in our salvation. Don't get this backwards. Don't try to, like, be a good person so that you can be saved. No, this is strictly ordered. And then all of these things allow you to do these things. So, so we, don't, we don't give someone a, a, a preaching or teaching role so that they get better at their love and their faith. No, all of these qualities are what are required to attain to the next step. All right, next slide. So progress and show progress and follow those who do. So be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. So the kingdom of Jesus can be called an upside-down kingdom. And it started at his birth, right? He announced the, 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 the Lord of creation, the king of kings. Uh, God told some farmers, some shepherds in a field. He was born in a stable manger. Um, that's not how the most important person in all of history ought to enter the world. But he did so to show progress and as a demonstration to us. The kingdom is upside down. The leaders and companies in our country, they have prestige, they have power, they have uh, intelligence, they have servants, people that Beck and call. Those do not belong in the church of Jesus. Jesus says that those who would be great among you must be a servant and those who would be the greatest slave to all. Jesus did that. So when you're looking at leaders, when you're thinking about being a leader in the church in progressing in your walk, this is what we're looking at. Your progress, your perseverance, not over like, oh, I did this really hard thing. It's like, it's going to be hard week by week, by month, by year, by decade. Persevere in them. And let others see your progress because when we step out of the, like, what I have, maybe I just did that. But when I see progress, it's clear that's God working through me. And I don't want to show who I am. I want to show what God's doing because that's what God can do for you. So Paul talks about broken jars to see God's work. Um, we want to be demonstrating the progress of God in our life, not relying on our, what we've already attained.
Does that make sense to everybody? Buddy? You give a quizzical look. I'm just making sure. It's fine. <laughs> People can, like, say, no, that doesn't make sense. All right. I think this is the last slide. Should be a summary. Yes. Which I think I skipped over at the beginning. My apologies. So I want you to hope in the living God. Um, our church is commanding you to hope in the living God. Everything will be required of you, so spend your life wisely. You don't get to do it again. Your progress, not your position, shows God at work. And then finally, uh, having given your life to Christ, so starting with the hope, train daily by reading your Bible and tell someone to keep you accountable. So, so number four is a very specific call to action. Um, I would like you to think about what training is going to be. If you're not getting your nutrition, figure out how to get your nutrition. But also, what do you want to be, how do you want to be growing in God? Um, and it, at the very least, starts with reading the Bible. So what's your plan for progress in reading the Bible? Where in the scriptures do you want God to be shaping you? And beyond that, then from the Bible come prayer, come trials, come other spiritual disciplines. You have relationships that will help train you, but it all is rooted in the word of God and having that speak to us through all of these times. And so today, I want you to carefully consider what your progress is and find a friend or a small group leader and tell them, Say, this is what I want to do. I want to, read, I want to read the Bible. I want to grow in these areas. And then do it. Uh, Proverbs says a righteous man uh, uh, falls seven times and gets back up. Uh, we're not righteous because we don't fall. We're righteous because we get back up. And so you're going to commit and train, and you're going to mess up on your training, and then you're going to commit and train again. And that's okay because that doesn't, change whether we're saved, that doesn't give us our hope. If that gave us our hope, then you could feel guilty and bad. Like, oh man, I didn't study for the test and I'm going to get an F. That is true. <laughs> like, if you don't study for a test and you don't know what the material, you're going to fail the class. Uh, that's not why we read the Bible. We're not trying to pass a test. The test was passed by Jesus and given to us. We don't have a test to pass. We don't feel bad when we don't attain. We get back up because someone is calling us forward. Someone has already done all the work and sustained us, and we're just moving along with it. So when we fall, you get back up because Christ is still ahead of you, and that's where your hope is. And we talked about the upside-down kingdom. The last thought I'll leave you with is this was directed to Timothy, but this is applicable to all of us because all of you, so we're ascending church. We're going to send a large number of you out into the world, and Again, it's going to get harder than it is here. And you're going to have to decide if you're going to really stick with Christ or you're going to give in. And if you're not, and, it, and there's not like, well, I'll decide later. That means you're not going to stick with Christ. Just, just to be honest, if, if you're going to coast, it's down. Um, and that's, that's, you just need to know that. Um, you need to understand that if you don't put in the work to train, you atrophy. And I don't want that to happen to you. And I don't want that to happen to you personally, but I also, I said this is, this is a talk against the gates of hell. I want you to be a force for good and love and life, the living God. I want you to bring life and the love of Christ to the whole world. And we're going to send each one of you out at some point, and you're going to carry this forward. 
And so the expectations on you are not small. We have very big expectations. The people I talk with that go out of iLife um, to churches um, who are really pursuing God, they are core parts of those ministries. And that's your path as well. And so as we strive for this, we're not just saying, oh, this is for someone who's going on staff. Oh, for this is like if I want to be an elder. Oh, this is like if I really want to go to seminary. No, this is each one of you. This is your path. And, this is, and as you follow that path, you will very clearly recognize people who are not following it, even if they have a title or a position. And don't follow those people. Don't join those churches. Like, or be an example for Christ. Because this is also something, the example of Christ, the progress, is something you can show in any stage of your ministry. Whether you're attending a church, whether you're in the workplace, Showing your progress doesn't require a title. It doesn't require credentials. It just requires showing God working within you, which isn't easy because it means you have to show your failures so you can show people where God is building into you. Um, Yeah, if, if it were easy to do this, we'd be doing it more often. Like I have to admit to my faults in order to have people see that there's no way I could have done this if God wasn't working in me. And that is embarrassing. That is difficult to do. And, and again, that's one of the things that gets harder and harder. When you fail and you're like single, it's like, oh, that's a bummer. Like, but when like you can't hold a job and you're married with a family, ooh, like that's, that's big. That's, that's more important, right? And so the call on your life, like failures get more important. Like, but showing God's progress in your life is always something you have to do. It never gets easier to do. It always takes increasing humility. And that's what we're called to.